When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Brittany Howard, and this is the LSQ Podcast. What's up? I'm Jenny LSQ. Thank you for pressing play on episode 101 of the LSQ Podcast. Back when I started this series in 2017, and I had a wish list of artists I hoped would be in an episode someday. Brittany Howard was on that list, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for years. I've had the opportunity to interview her in brief, uh, you know, for my job at SiriusXM, but it was amazing to get to delve in and talk about her early days, discovering her own voice, that incredible voice that you know, whether with the Alabama Shakes or on her own, is a voice that cuts to your very core. Britney's new solo album, What Now?, is out later this week. And here's a bit of explanation uh, about what you'll hear me saying at the beginning of this interview. Essentially, I had a technical meltdown, and the first 15 minutes of our Zoom were not recorded. So we rejoined, I apologized, and Britney was so cool about it. And so, that's the deal. I fucked up, but you know what? It happens. Let's get into the interview. Welcome back, Brittany Howard, following a technical meltdown on the LSQ podcast. I say, you know, that I'm the Columbo of podcasting. I don't know if you've ever watched Columbo, but I like to think that my constant glitching is part of my charm or something. I don't know. It's all good. I'm here. Thank you for your patience with with me, Brittany. Um, where we left off in, in my previously glitched out version of this conversation was talking about you uh, discovering your singing voice. Um, and yeah, if you can if you can tell me uh, that that story you were you were sharing about leaving the CD for your mom. And and from there, yeah, I'm just curious, like how you've since then what you've strove to do to expand your voice like what are your current challenges or what are the areas with this new album that you feel like you're still exploring your voice Mm. so the way I kind of discovered my voice was um me and Zach Cockrell from the Shakes you know we went to high school together and we had started playing music together and, and and writing songs together and so we had recorded this like little demo CD and I remember it being very precious to me. It had my voice recorded on it and these songs we wrote. And so I went into my mother's bedroom and I just left the CD on her nightstand. And the next day, I mean, I, she had listened to it and she come in and she goes, oh, I didn't know you could sing. And I was like, oh, I can sing. Well, I didn't think I could either. But the thing is like the bands I was in was like punk bands and it didn't really utilize my voice in this way of, um, kind of gospel singing or the kind of old school singing that that was something new for me and uh exploring what my voice could do so when my mother heard that I was like oh maybe I can sing and you know I just kind of stayed on that path I wasn't completely sure 
until um, many years later, you know, we had the opportunity to play our first show. And that was like Indicator, Alabama, this place called a Brick Deli. And I remember being so nervous. We had like a 35 minute set. I got up there and I sang, but as soon as I opened my mouth, I just like blacked out. Like, I don't remember any of it. But then I remember the applause when I was done. It's like, oh, people really like that. And people were coming up to us and, you know, we got paid. And I was like, oh my God, we got paid for this, you know? I was definitely hooked then, you know, I was, I was like, oh, okay. Like maybe I got some talent here and I should, I should keep doing this. And now I'm still exploring my voice in that um, I want to see what else it can do. Um, I'm really excited about, as I've gotten older, I have these lower registers, but I still keep, I still maintain my high registers too. So I can have this like giant rainbow of like vocal contrast that I can do now. And I am excited to explore more of that and more of a different style of singing, you know, a little more relaxed, a little less angsty. It's still there, but it's just, it, it, it exposes itself differently. I feel like now I have more dynamic, more dynamics. You, I know, devote a lot of time to the elements of your craft um, and and genuinely just getting grossed and doing all of the different parts of the creative process of making your songs. Do you spend a lot of time like practicing, whether it's singing or guitar or how much time is there just where you're engrossed in and trying out things with your voice or trying out things with your guitar? I'll be honest, like people probably gonna hate to hear this. But I don't really practice at all. Only time I pick up an instrument is when I'm about to write a song. And every time it feels kind of like exploratory and new to me. Even if these things aren't that technical or aren't that hard, it's like it gets to be new to me because I'm not spending all of my time engrossed with it. And I used to. I used to be like that. And it became like really exhausting. And I was just putting a lot of pressure on myself. So now it's like I spend a lot of time away from my instruments and um my voice and and I get to just delve into life and therefore I get to like write about all these experiences I'm having I like you know for example I got more hobbies things outside of music I'm I'm carving a life for myself and I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy I did that because like now I just have more to talk about and I get to grow as a human being in that way and when it comes to like musicianship and playing guitar and, and all these other instruments I play as well. I like that feeling of discovery and of it being new every time and just stumbling onto it. It's just like exciting. You were talking about, um, you know, when you first knew you wanted to have bands and that, and that first feeling that you must, that you must do it. I'm curious as well about the feeling after you've created or sort of while it's happened, do you feel is there a sense of embodiment when you're singing or when you're, you know, do you feel more in your body or more out of your body when you're in the moment of creation or, or just having finished? Hmm. Interesting question. Well, I, I guess like in the moment of creation, it's a little bit out of body just because, well, I don't know what's happening either. You know, it's just, it's just coming out. Like, it's just, I'm just kind of like, it feels like you're just receiving something and you're putting it down as quickly as you can. Cause when I hear music or when I like receive music, I don't know. It's like, I, sometimes I get everything at once and it's like, oh, this bass part, this guitar part, this drum part, 
and it's like a frantic, frantic moment of putting everything down, you, you know, just sloppily, but quickly, you know, before it goes away. And then afterwards, I sit there and I'll get to listen to it. And I'm like, okay, let's finish this out. I see what I was trying to do here, you know? Does it feel like it's a relief, like it relieves whatever kind of, you know, it's like a relief for any kind of angst or what's going on or if something's troubling you, does the process of making something out of it, like, make you feel better? Listen, sometimes it's shocking what comes out. Because sometimes I'm like, I didn't know I felt that way, you know? And sometimes it's like things that haven't happened yet, if that makes any sense. I'm singing about this like thing that I haven't experienced yet. But then hindsight, I look back and I go, oh my God, how did I know I would feel this way? It's always a surprise in that way. Sometimes yes, cathartic. And sometimes I'm like, what am I talking about? And sometimes I'm like, am I okay? Yeah, it's kind of like the wisest part of you, probably, you know, even if you don't know what it's saying, when you talk about like something that hasn't happened yet, but it's just like that, you know, the cosmicness of, of the creativity or something, it's like tapped into the universe in a way that it's hard to feel like you are in your human body as well, you know? Yeah, for sure. And and it's, it, you know, creating is so divine. It's so amazing because, you know, for centuries, people were like, okay, where does it come from? I'll call it the muse. I'll call it God. I'll call it all these things. And yes, it comes from ourselves. And yes, the stories are internal. But it's still amazing. It's, it's still incredible that we can imagine something and make it and put it out into the world. Like, it's not lost on me. I'm definitely not jaded about that whole process. I just think it's, it's um, just like the greatest thing, you know? You were talking earlier about as a kid how you would, uh, you know, learn to play, teach yourself to play songs by by looking at the guitar tabs and magazines and Guitar World and were thereby limited in terms of what you could even get that familiar with from whatever songs they had. I'm curious about your musical taste and once the Internet existed and and it was easier to explore music and, and find stuff you know, sort of where you found yourself going from there in terms of creative influences. So a lot of my influences coming up were things I heard on the radio, things my parents showed me or my grandparents showed me. So like, you know, music like the Supremes and the Crystals and James Brown and Elvis Presley, Prince, Whitney Houston, like this whole R&B movement, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I was super into that. And usually the way I would find music is from my friends. I didn't have internet access growing up. I probably didn't get internet until I was like 19 or something. Cause you know, it costs money and I didn't have none. So my friends would have their CDs and they would come pick me up in their cars and they'd be listening to like, you know, like the very first Kings of Leon CD, the very first album. And I'd be like, what's this, you know? Or like I had never heard Black Sabbath when I was a teenager and my friend come and picking me up and listening to Black Sabbath. And I'm like, oh my God, listen to this bass line. Like it's so heavy, but it's so groovy. And being exposed to a lot of Jimi Hendrix songs I had never heard outside of the radio or, um, you know, Jefferson Airplane, like all this different type of music. And it was always just like a friend. And so me and my friend groups always bonded around music. And I was just so curious and had my ear open for everything. And so I just like, you know, I really liked metal and I liked punk music and I just liked it all. Like there's something to offer from most things. And um, 
yeah, that was kind of my experience. And then once the internet came, it was kind of like, man, like information overload, just like an explosion of, it was overwhelming. Where do you begin, you know? Oh, totally. I was also thinking though about even more recently because I love the the kind of like dance music moments in your solo work that are like, you know, very like kind of breakbeats style. And I wonder like, when did you start exploring some some of that stuff just truly outside of the rock and roll universe? Oh, I've always had a, an affinity towards it. You know, um, DJs and like the boiler room, I really love like Honey Dijon. The, re the reason I like the way these things are put together is because it's so foreign to what I do, so different. I can't really, I don't really have like a concept of how they're doing it. So I'm so curious about it. And I always follow my curiosity and I like the way it makes me feel, you know? And there's some emotions that are best expressed just with rhythm and they're so simple. It's just the heart, you know, it's just the heartbeat and it's there and you can count on it. And it and the four on the floor feeling is so nostalgic and familiar, and it can just take you so many places. Well, it can take me so many places in my life where it's like this is a very simple emotion. It's just emotion of being connected to your body, and so therefore, like when I was doing my own kind of dance moment, it just had everything to do with I feel very embodied and I feel very hopeful, and this is what this feeling sounds like to me. You know pretty simple like that yeah it sounds awesome you mentioned earlier like maybe that first show that you might have blacked out or you don't remember that much about what happened but how did you from there kind of come into your own as a performer tell me a bit about the early evolution of your finding yourself on stage as a, as a stage performer you know finding myself on stage at, at, from the very beginning our group looked different than all the other groups you know like yeah, we all just look very different from one another. We're real people. We went to school together. We're from a small town. We weren't trying to put on any airs of like, no, nah, we're cool. You know, like we're stylish. Couldn't have if we wanted to. So those very beginning shows, I always felt like I was battling against perception and also my own self-image. And there was like this anger in me that really fueled the energy on stage. It kind of felt like uh, you're going to listen to me and I don't care if you're going to like it or not. It was very, very much like my own empowerment. Yeah. I, I probably still do that, but I'm a little less like I care less, I think now. But back then it was very much like me. I felt like me versus the world. And there was like all this energy into it and this ferociousness and this like I'm not going to say point to prove, but it was more just like, this is my space. This is my moment. This is my time. It wasn't about pandering to the audience or anything like that. It was just like, this was me working through stuff for years. And that's, yeah, that that was like my inspiration early on. And then uh, I saw Sharon Jones from Sharon Jones and the Kings for the first time. And I was, I was like, wow, like that is probably one of the best performers I've ever seen in my life. It was just her embodiment. It was just like her, you know? And she was like a little comet, a little fireball. And I was just like, oh man, I, I, I hope I can, I hope I can be something like that. And um, I, I wanna find that confidence in myself, I guess is what it inspired in me. 
Yeah, yeah. And and it's also like amazing. I'm sure at that time, Sharon was already, you know, uh, she's significantly older. And so therefore, there's this sense of like, okay, I remember seeing Patti Smith as a way of relating that I got to see Patti Smith play at Electric Lady, some, you know, amazing event. And I was just blown away by an older woman who was so just didn't give a fuck, just so confident, just so and and just looking at her, she was obviously the exact same person, just more mature and wiser that she was from all the photos that I had seen and admired, you know, just like, or like I saw Barbara Streisand in concert and I was just like, fuck yeah, you are old and you're awesome and you don't give a fuck and I'm not afraid of getting old now, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. So what would you say are some of the you mentioned sound and color earlier and this new solo album as being kind of similar in this moment of being able to expand what you're trying to do and be even more adventurous what would you say have been some just kind of key discoveries you've made over your career for yourself of just kind of moments when you were just like okay no here's actually where i want to go this is the direction that i want to head i want to be more blank yeah so when it comes to me writing music it usually has everything to do with me going more internal, not really external. I'm not really looking around to see what everyone's doing or taking cues from what sounds interesting. It's always an exploration of myself and how to best like express the way that I feel. It's almost like I want to see myself like in the, put out into the world. And I'm like, well, every time I make a record, I'm like, okay, last time I did it like this, but I just don't feel like that's quite like the essence of what I was trying to say. So how do I get like deeper? How do I crawl under more sheets? You know, it's it's always just like doing something that I have never like done makes me curious about where I fit into that picture. Like the color of like this emotion that I'm feeling. And as I get older and older, it's like I do have more like eloquence to talk about what that is and, and who I am and become more vulnerable. And so every time I make an album, it's like, yeah, I'm doing this exploration of that. And at the same time, telling myself like, well, it doesn't really matter if I color in the lines or not, because at the end of the day, this is my work and my life. And one day my life will be over. So I just really have to like, put my whole foot into it every time and I remember doing sound and color and and saying to myself like well I just really really need to let people know who I am you know and at the time that was the best I could do it was the only tools I had uh to talk about myself and who I was it was always kind of um kind of murky kind of like a Japanese screen not the full image not fully explaining what I'm talking about which is fine and great and I love that work and I love that album. Uh, but now it's like I can speak more directly to the listener. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of relate this feeling of putting this album out as that feeling I had when I put out Sound and Color of like, okay, like I'm here I go again, like presenting myself. And I think I got it right this time. And, you know, probably the next album I'll be, I'll be talking shit on this album. So. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> what Now and Red Flags had been out for, for a while. What are some of the other deeper cuts from the album that you're, that you just feel really strongly about and where you feel like you really, you achieved what you were hoping to? Mm, there's a song on What Now called Samson. And I love that one so much. <laughs> thank you, me too. I, I, I love it because I really was able to sonically um, and viscerally explain the feeling of being in two minds about should I stay or should I go in this relationship? Where am I anymore in this relationship? I've become this version of myself to maintain this relationship, but that's not me. I'm not being authentic and, and I'm, and it's like a, this depressive mood of thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And I feel like with Samson, the murkiness of the production and also its sparseness, the way that I performed that song live. So what it was is this PA speaker set up in this room and I have a mixing board and I'm also in the room and we have this microphone set up in a room that's like a binaural microphone. So it's picking up the stereo image and the microphone's surrounded by these speakers and, and I'm feeding the music through this PA system. So I'm actually orchestrating. And then at the same time, I'm singing live. And later I went back and sang a, a double of the vocal because I wanted to give this effect of there's two people in your head. And every time it hits the chorus, the vocal split in two. And I just, I just feel like viscerally, I'm like really proud of that one. That's definitely given the feeling, it's giving the mood when I listen back to it. And that's, everything came out better than I expected. And it was also a surprise to do things that way. I did not expect to do things that way. Yeah. And you're going to be on the road for in February, and, and I'm guessing probably for a good portion of 2024. Yeah. You know, I try not to look at my schedule too much, but I'm just going to say to everyone out there, I'll probably be seeing you soon. <laughs> everyone all over the world, I'll see you soon. The entire <laughs> planet Earth, Brittany will be seeing you soon. Thank you so much for getting together with me to do this. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks for great questions. Oh, no worries. And sorry about the technical glitch earlier, Columboing it up over here. Um, <laughs> I love Columbo so much. It's so funny you brought up that reference. You do. You do love Columbo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when I was growing up, we only had a few stations and Columbo would just be on. So I just got with it, started watching Columbo. This year was my year of Columbo. So I finally found it. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Columbo vibe. I love that. All right, thanks again to Brittany Howard. Her new album, What Now?, arrives later this week, and you can get tickets for her upcoming shows at BrittanyHoward.com. And that brings us to the end of episode 101. I'm excited for the next one in a couple of weeks, 102, with Idol's Joe Talbot. And you can listen to other episodes of the LSQ podcast at JennyLSQ.com. I'm also available on socials at JennyLSQ. Talk to you next time.